Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 13 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. I'm Nolan Cole, back with you for our final episode of 2019. As always, we're podcasting from our Sport Manitoba building at 145 Pacific Avenue in downtown Winnipeg. At Sport Manitoba, our focus is on supporting and planning sport programs to promote the development of vibrant citizens, athletes, and communities in Manitoba. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province with over 65 provincial sport organizations in our building. If you missed any of our previous episodes, each one is available on your podcast app of choice, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you follow us on social media, and you should, it's at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, then you know that we've been sharing a lot of content on concussions as we try to raise awareness around this very important issue in the sport community. On this episode, we'll be talking with two people who work in our building, both of whom have dealt with concussions in their own way, one treats them professionally, while the other is still suffering from post-concussion syndrome. More on that after a quick look at some of Sport Manitoba's upcoming events. This winter, Sport Manitoba is working together with the Sport Information Resource Centre to raise awareness about concussions. We want all of our athletes and coaches to know the signs and symptoms of a concussion so that they can be properly treated. Follow along on our social media channels at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag HeadstrongCanada. Sport Manitoba strives to make sport a safe and welcoming experience for athletes, coaches, parents, officials, and volunteers across the province. If you experience any incidents of abuse, harassment, or any other inappropriate conduct, please call our sports support line at 1-877-737-9875 to talk to a trained professional, or visit our website for more resources. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. Dr. Gail Sawa is a physician in our Sport Manitoba clinic. She specializes in musculoskeletal disorders and has previously worked on several rehabilitation programs with her patients, including cardiac rehab and neurological rehab. Her most recent training is in concussion management, and she works with a number of patients who have a wide range of concussion symptoms. Dr. Sawa joined the podcast to share some of her insight into concussions and offered advice on how best to treat them. Here's our conversation. Dr. Sawa, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I'll just start by asking you if you can just give me a, a brief rundown of the work you do with concussions. Sure. So um, I see concussions from a number of patients, whether it be kids who've sustained a concussion in sport or in their gym class, uh, to the elderly who have them because of a fall, for instance. Um, usually they are coming into my office to kind of be either assessed to you know, get the actual diagnosis of a concussion, maybe get some advice on management and treatment strategies. And then I also deal with quite a number of patients with uh, what we call kind of prolonged uh, concussion symptoms. So the term post-concussion syndrome has kind of fallen out of favor. Um, so we kind of typically call it more prolonged symptoms of concussion, prolonged course. I know you've got a lot of other training in the medical field, but what prompted you to kind of go the concussion route and, and get that training? So. In med school in general, you get kind of a brief overview of concussions, but there's 
so much to still be learned in general in concussion and a lot of research out there. And I knew that coming to work for Sport Manitoba that concussion was going to be a big part of the practice here. And so I wanted to get some extra training and just kind of learn also not only from a medical standpoint, but also what the uh, therapists that are treating some of these patients are doing as well so that I would have a better understanding of what the patients are experiencing and maybe what they're getting in terms of a treatment that might be beneficial to them. Do you have an overall approach or a protocol that you follow in working with athletes who have sustained a concussion? I mean, I know it probably varies short-term, long-term, but do you follow a certain approach? So uh, in some ways, yes, and in a lot of ways, no, because you're right, it is very individual. Uh, It really depends on what their symptoms are. I mean, when somebody comes into my office, I do have a fairly standardized approach for the actual initial assessment and kind of trying to figure out where their deficits might lie, whether or not they've sustained a concussion, are they recovered from the concussion or not, risk factors for whether or not they would be more likely to have prolonged course of concussion symptoms. So some of the um, assessment is fairly standardized because there are certain things that you need to assess and rule out or rule in. Uh, But the overall management is somewhat individualized for the most part. Yes, there are some protocols for certain things like the return to sport protocol that we kind of follow. Uh, But again, it's, it's very individualized even to that athlete, to their sport and what they need to get it back to. What are some of the common symptoms of a concussion that you often see? So a lot of the common symptoms, uh, there's things like headache, nausea, balance issues. Uh, People have sensitivity to light and to noise, and maybe they have some difficulty concentrating, difficulty focusing. Uh, Fatigue is a big one sleep problems. And then there's some other um, not as well-known symptoms. So people can be kind of on a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Their emotions are a little bit all over the place, or they're more irritable, or they start to feel anxious or even depressed. And even if they had never had issues with anxiety or depression, sometimes that can uh, come out as a result of a concussion. So the severity of concussions, they they vary, right? So short-term, long-term. Can you kind of describe the scale that you work with there when you're diagnosing them? Yeah, so in general, I actually try to avoid using a scale of mild or moderate or severe concussion. And it's kind of, yes, either you had a concussion or you didn't. And the way that I approach a patient is I say, you know what, this sounds like a concussion. In most cases, the exam is completely normal. A lot of um, symptoms of concussion it's very subjective or what they're experiencing, but they will examine very well. And so I have to explain that to them as well. Um, And then it also depends on their risk factors. You know, have you had previous concussions? Uh, Do you have a, a learning disability or do you have ADHD or depression, anxiety, or even an issue with migraines? Because those are risk factors for people having prolonged concussion symptoms, so longer than four weeks. There's not really a magic number anymore for concussions. I mean, a lot of people still come into the office being like, this is the third one, this means I can't play anymore, and we we really don't know what that number of concussions is because everybody is so different. We're looking at what's happened, how have you recovered, how have you returned to your activities to kind of guide them on that. I know you've been an athlete your whole life. You're still a competitive gymnast. Do you find that you have a more natural connection to the athletes you work with because you were an athlete yourself? Is it easier to relate to them, do you find? Uh, I think in some ways, absolutely, because, um, you know, I, I know what it's like to love to do your sport and want to get back to it. Um, and so it, 
in some ways, I think so. I think in some of the gymnasts and dancers who come into my office, maybe I can relate to them a lot more and they like that. Uh, but I don't think you have to be or have been an athlete in order to relate to somebody who's had a concussion either. Uh, it's really just about the advice you give and your communication with them and perhaps with their family members if that's who's going to be their support system. So. Just on gymnastics, like obviously there's a stigma for certain concussions, you know, attaching them to certain sports, right? They're more common mm-hmm. in certain sports. What about gymnastics? Are, is it, uh, are they common? Do they happen? Well, they definitely happen, yeah. yeah. I think more so in artistic gymnastics probably than rhythmic gymnastics because artist, so artistic gymnastics is with the vault, bars, beam. There's a lot more acrobatics involved, a lot more potential for impact versus rhythmic gymnastics is a little more um, flexibility. There is some acrobatics involved, but it's not the high impact. Really, um, it would be sometimes a fall or... In some cases, the apparatus hitting you in rhythmic gymnastics okay. could also potentially do it. But. Is there one particular athlete who you've worked with who had a concussion where you thought to yourself, oh, that was really inspiring. This person really over- overcame it and got back to normal. Does anything? Does anyone come to mind? Well, there, I don't know if there's any specific person or athlete that comes to mind. There's kind of stories I, or things that I draw from from different individuals, whether it be somebody who, um, you know, maybe their family was actually very involved and supportive of them actually taking the proper rest and kind of knew a little bit like a little bit more than the average person would about concussion. So that's kind of helpful in that situation to some people who have struggled with extremely long bouts of symptoms of their concussion. I'm talking over two years, over three years who have been able to get back to work and back to some of their activities. So I think a lot of the stories, you kind of pull different things from it. So some of that work must be rewarding then to, to work yeah, with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's rewarding when you can get back somebody back to doing the things that they want to do. Um, I mean, concussion is very frustrating. It's frustrating for the, for, for the person who's actually experiencing the concussion. And it's sometimes very frustrating for the people caring for them because, again, we don't always have great treatments or great approaches like you're trying different things and sometimes they don't always work and so it can be a bit of a frustrating process. In your view what more needs to be done in terms of kind of a medical approach to to managing concussions in the future? Are there steps that you'd like to see taken? Well I think I think just in general we need to get a better understanding of what's actually going on in uh, in terms of people who suffer from concussions because there's still so many unknowns in terms of is it an issue with the messaging? Is it an issue with energy deficits? Is it a cell, like what's it like at a cellular level um, so that we can maybe better target some of these treatments? Do you have an overall message to the athletes who you work with? One of the things that I often tell, because I do see a lot of athletes who come in and, you know, as an athlete, when you're injured, you want to get back to your sport. And I really try and spend some time to say, you know what, in the grand scheme of things, you have one brain and it's pretty important. It's way up there in the scale of importance. And as much as you love your sport, it's, it's not as important. And you, you need to take care of that brain. Otherwise, you're not going to get back or you, you potentially could not get back to your sport because that's some of the stuff that we've seen is people really struggling to get back to their sport because they pushed it too much. So it's really important to identify if you're not feeling great and take the proper rest and get back to your sport properly so that you're you're in a better position to succeed. 
Dr. Sawa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Dr. Gail Sawa for sharing her knowledge on concussions. If you want to make an appointment with Dr. Sawa, visit sportmanitoba.ca or call 204-925-5944. Cassidy Nichols is our Fit Kids Healthy Kids program coordinator and is also a former university athlete with a fascinating story. I'll introduce you to her next on the Sport Manitoba podcast. Grab your family and friends for Sport Manitoba's annual game day. Join us at 145 Pacific Avenue on Saturday, January 11th from 10 to 2 to try more than 15 different sports, including karate, gymnastics, and racquetball. Participate in a fitness class, tour the facility, and explore the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, all completely free. Discover incredible offers, enter to win great prizes, and have a ton of fun making lasting memories. Find out more at sportmanitoba.ca. Sport Manitoba celebrates the achievements of our athletes, coaches, officials, and volunteers every year at our Night of Champions. Join us at this year's event, Saturday, March 21st at Club Regent Event Centre as we honour the best of the best. Host your next event at Sport Manitoba. With three fully convertible court spaces, host your own fun basketball, dodgeball, badminton, or volleyball tournament, play games, and team build with your coworkers, family, or friends. Daytime and evening rentals are available. Call 204-925-5609 to book today. Prior to joining Sport Manitoba, 24-year-old Cassidy Nichols played five years of field hockey as a kinesiology student at York University in Toronto. It was in her fifth and final season when she sustained a concussion after one of her teammates accidentally struck her in the head with her stick during practice. Cassidy is still feeling the effects of this today, more than two years after the incident. And through this experience, she now hopes to help other athletes avoid the same fate. Here's my conversation with Cassidy Nichols. So Cassidy, thanks for coming on the podcast, first of all. Thanks for having me, Nolan. So obviously your story's been well documented, right? There's been articles written about you. You're doing a CBC interview later today. Yeah. But can you just recount the story for me of what happened on that practice field in 2017? Sure. So it was a normal practice. We were out on the field late at night. We usually practice kind of 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. So normal practice, typical drill. And one of my teammates hit me in the face by mistake with their stick. And not really any big hit, nothing usual or unusual. And usually if someone gets hit in the head, we have athletic therapists, team doctors on the side. Right away, there's a concussion protocol. They get pulled off to the side. But the hit was actually so insignificant that I didn't even get flagged. I kept playing kind of dazed and took myself out of the drill and thought, "Mm, doesn't feel great, but continued through the practice, was able to make it through the practice with nothing too, too unusual. And I got home and went to bed, felt pretty normal. And it wasn't until the next day, about 14 hours later, that I started feeling a little bit different. Wasn't exactly sure what it was. I thought maybe I was getting sick. Um, But that happened to be a game day. So the way field hockey works is we have a practice roster and then we get named to a travel roster. So I'd already been named to the travel roster. So it was too late for me to kind of admit I wasn't feeling great. So I did end up traveling to the game and I played a whole game with my concussion. And it wasn't until I actually started playing that I realized, okay, this is for sure a concussion. And I made the choice to play through that, and I played a full game. And at the end of the game, um, I was so dazed, confused, didn't know really where I was. I finally admitted to our team doctor, yeah, I have a concussion, I think I need to go through the protocol. So they took me out of play, and I was out of play for about a month. I missed half of our season. so. We have a season of only 12 games, and I missed six of them in my graduating year. 
And then it was coming up to OUA playoffs. So our team was ranked number one. It was kind of the first time we'd ever even made it that far to playoffs. So really exciting. And I didn't want to let, you know, someone else take my spot on the field. So kind of thought, okay, it's time for me to get back, even though I wasn't ready. So I lied about my symptoms to the doctor, and I did actually get cleared to play in OUA playoffs. So we went on. I played through three games there, and we won. And then we went on to BC to Nationals, and I played two more games there with my concussion. Can you expand a little bit on your decision to play through it and what was going through your mind at that point? Uh, so there's a couple different things going through my mind. The first thing I was definitely thinking, like I'd worked so hard for five years of university. Um, it wasn't like a regular student, right? You're training hard, four hours of training every day. So that kind of flashed into my mind. It was like, it's all leading up to this moment, to our OUA championship. I want to be on that field. I don't want a first-year rookie taking my starting spot. So that was kind of the first initial thought. And then there's also some other things playing into it. I knew I had family flying you know, across the country to come see me play and how disappointing would that be if I was sitting in the stands instead on the field. So a couple different things that were flashing through my mind at that moment. I, I guess there's um, a competitive urge to keep playing, right, amongst all athletes because, like you said, it's it's mentally it's tough to sit out letting your teammates down. So how do you, I guess, park that? I think it's it's tricky for sure. Like you said, uh, we're all competitive and as a high performance athlete, you know, you've been training so hard for so long and that's something you want. So it's definitely tough to park that competitiveness that I think we kind of have to think about, you know, it's not like a sprained ankle. A concussion's very different. We can't just tape it up and go and play through it. Uh, you don't get another shot at a second brain whatever it is. So we have to kind of keep that in mind when you are dealing with a concussion. It's more serious than a broken finger, or a sprained ankle. You really need to um, put that competitiveness aside and then make sure you think about the consequences long term. You're still dealing with the repercussions today. How much has this impacted your life? So it's been a pretty significant impact. I mean, I would say I'm one of the lucky ones with post-concussion syndrome because I am able to hold a job, which is amazing. I'm so grateful for that. But on a day-to-day -day basis, things like concussion, with a concussion, it's things like headaches, nausea, dizziness. So that's kind of like a day-to-day -day thing. And then even like my social life has been affected. So things like going to Jets games. I love going to Jets games, but I know if I'm going to one, I need to make sure I'm well-rested before. And it's usually about three days that it takes me to recover from all the noise and the light. So something like a Jets game or a concert. So it's always kind of in the back of my mind. If I have a big event coming up, social gathering, I need to make sure that I have a lighter load that day. I'm not doing too, too much. I have time for a nap, whatever it is. So it's definitely affected me in the day-to-day -day life and then long-term as well. Now I'm not able to play field hockey, other sports that I love playing. So it's been a huge effect on me. So I've known you for over a year now and like I would never know. You know what I mean? Nobody would ever know just on the surface. So I guess, is that one of the tougher parts about all this, just the hidden symptoms that people don't see? Yeah, definitely. Like lots of people say it really is a hidden injury and like an invisible injury. So one of that's one of the things I've been dealing with is uh, when I do come forward and say, oh, I have post-concussion syndrome, I've been struggling with it. Lots of people say, well, you look fine. Like you go to work every day, so you must be fine. So they don't really understand all the other things that are coming. Like I said before, you know, needing to nap after work often. So like you said, you probably wouldn't notice just by looking at me or even knowing um, knowing me for a while that I do have these concussion symptoms. So that is a tricky thing, trying to balance that, making sure people understand, oh, I'm not just bailing last minute on an event. It's because my symptoms are flared up, whatever it is. So it has been difficult managing that kind of invisible aspect of it. 
I know you're, you're very active on social media, sharing, you know, different concussion content and trying to get the messages out there. So I guess, how has this experience kind of driven you to help other athletes from maybe making the same mistake? Well, since sharing my story, I've had so many people reach out to me and first of all, just say like, hey, I've been going through a very similar thing. So it's nice, I think, um, when someone else is going through that, they can see like, oh, someone else is going through that. I'm not alone in it. So just getting that feedback from other people has really made me want to share my story more because I just think there's so many people dealing with concussions and post-concussion syndrome that don't even really know what's happening to them. So it's really driven me to want to share it more, get it out there that type of thing. Have you been surprised with like how many conversations you've had with other athletes and how many people feel comfortable talking about it? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Like so many people have uh, sent me messages, emails, phone calls, whatever it is saying, oh, I had a really similar experience that maybe the person I wasn't even close with, some of the people I haven't even met before that have reached out. So it's been really kind of amazing that there's that many people dealing with this and so many people aren't talking about it. What would be your overall main message to athletes? Um, I think... The first thing I'd want to share with every athlete out there is concussions are not a regular injury. We need to make sure we're taking them seriously and uh, we're treating them a little bit differently from normal from normal injuries. And then the other thing is that if you are going through a concussion, you're not alone. I know lots of people kind of get, you know, you're sitting in a room by yourself. You're not able to be with your teammates and it's tricky, but there are other people going through concussions that you can reach out to. I've joined so many different like concussion support groups, even just through Facebook that I don't know any of these people, but just sharing your story is really helpful. So there's other people going through it. You're not alone in it. How, I mean, as a competitive athlete, how tough has it been to not be able to play as much, be able to play as many sports. It's been really difficult. I've been playing sports since I was two years old. I've been involved in so many different sports. So it's been really tricky not playing. I've kind of channeled some of that energy into coaching. So I get a little bit of my kind of competitiveness in there, but it's been difficult not playing. I've tried a couple other things that, you know, working out yoga, but it's not the same as playing a team sport. What steps would you like to see taken in the future in order to you know, avoid these kind of situations in terms of the management of concussions moving forward? Another thing that I love to see is a more streamlined approach to concussions kind of in the medical field. So right now, you know, you go to your, uh, your primary care doctor and then after that, there's not exactly a streamlined process. So everyone's a little bit different when it comes to concussions, but I know for me, it's kind of trial and error. It's oh, someone told me this worked for them, so I'm going to try that now. So it'd be nice if, you know, a doctor could look at you and say, okay, um, your problem is vision, so here's an approved list of uh, healthcare providers that you could see to help fix your vision. So that's easier than said than done also. I hope that kind of in the future that's where we go, but like I said, that's going to be a lot of work to get there. Cassidy, I want to wish you all the best in your recovery, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nolan. Thanks again to both Gail Sawa and Cassidy Nichols for that very informative concussion discussion. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, you can subscribe to our podcast. It's available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media, at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you know of somebody who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, whether it's an athlete, coach, or somebody else involved in sport, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. Thanks to everyone who listened in 2019. We'll keep it going in the new year with another episode in January. I'm Nolan Cole. Happy holidays, everyone. And as always, thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast. Sport Manitoba.